Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. All right, please join me just in listening to the reading of God's word. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this week I overheard two different friends having a conversation, and one of them turned to the other and asked the question that we just asked a little bit ago, what song do you put on for a good cry? And I like that it was two burly looking men that were talking about this, because all of us, you know, we're impressionable like this. You know, we put on a particular movie that we've probably seen 20 times for a good laugh. Before we go out on the town, we put on a certain song you know, to get us in the right mood. And of course, occasionally, for whatever reason, we want to put on a song for a good cry. What's, what song is yours? What, is, what has that effect on you? Nobody? Les Miserables. Les Miserables, okay. Rivers and Roads. Rivers and Roads. Is that uh, the head and the heart? Yeah. Nice. Okay. <laughs> All right, so mine is this song. It's not a sad song, but for whatever reason, it has my number. Friends, Brandy Carlisle's The Mother. Can we give a couple of snaps for Brandy Carlisle? Who needs Austin City Limits? You just come here. We'll listen to some good music, people. Uh, it seems like almost like it's a design flaw that God made us so impressionable. Like we are just so easily moldable as people. We're just sponges. Wherever we go, we seem to soak up whatever is around us. You probably have experienced this. When you hang out with a particular friend after a while, you just pick up their mannerisms or you find yourself laughing like them. Anyone else experience that? Like we're just so easily moldable. And oftentimes we don't even know that we're being shaped by things. Like I had someone say to me recently, like shared this post of like, hey, I just want to apologize for how I treated you when it was 108 degrees outside, right? Like it's this, it'll affect me. And uh, if you guys remember, we had over 40 days of that this summer. So we were highly moldable by that too. Therefore, I think we have to be incredibly aware of everything that surrounds us, that surrounds our lives, that are shaping us and forming us. In many ways, that's why we're having this series, Seek First, is because we're looking at the different forces that surround our days that are shaping who we are. These are the conversations that we've had so far. We've talked about how we're shaped by empty religion, how we're shaped by cynicism, the culture of cynicism inside and outside the church, how we're shaped by materialism, by fragmented identities, how there's one person, one part of us, another part, something different. We're 
also shaped by this pressure towards sameness and in cultures of sameness. And of course, this list isn't complete. We're also being shaped by the expectations of success, by the pace of life. We're shaped by our addictions and our distractions. We're shaped by what we consume physically and digitally. In the business world, people like William Edwards Deming, he would want to add into this conversation. He's a business theorist, and he would want to add into this conversation something like this, that every system is perfectly designed to get the results it does. For Deming, each business, structure, culture, or enterprise is perfectly designed to produce good or bad whatever result comes from it, whatever is produced. And you can see this in our collective frustration with airlines. Like it's perfectly designed for that output. Or the toxic culture in Hollywood. It's perfectly designed for that. Or the crazy making slowness of the permit process in Austin, Texas. Can I get an amen? It's perfectly designed for that outcome. But I think this is applicable for our spiritual lives as well. The systems that we are living in is perfectly designed to produce particular things in you and me. If we see bad trends in our society, what we don't do is finger wag at that bad fruit. We remember that the system is designed for that fruit. So therefore, we go up the chain, we go up the stream to see what is the system that is at play that's producing this thing? Why is there a frightening uptick in groups espousing white supremacy rhetoric in America? Why is there this new epidemic of loneliness among men right now? Why is there, why is there an epidemic of anxiety and depression among young people? This is not just something we point at. We go further up the stream and look at the system that's producing this. Why are we, as a people, more anxious, more isolated, with this feeling of hopelessness? Why are we more divided? Why are we more exhausted and lonely than generations before? Well, friends, this is the exact product of the system that we are living in as a people. Let me just share this example. Nicholas Carr, he wrote a book called The Shallows, and he shares how the digital age is uh, fueled by the internet and the little glowing devices in your pocket or your purse right now, how that's literally changing how our brains work. Not only how we think, but literally changing the wiring in our brains. Carr's writing is not to say that the internet is bad or social media is evil. The reality, though, is that we are making sacrifices by using these things. And the more we use them, the more we are sacrificing. For example, we grow extremely comfortable with immediate search results uh, with whatever question we have. Like, we expect immediate uh, answers for information, whatever we wonder. And what is the sacrifice of that? Well, we no longer experience prolonged wonder or curiosity. It undercuts conversation of, hey, what do you think? What does this mean? It also, it uh, stunts critical thinking. We are training our minds for immediate information and not for prolonged thinking. Carr calls this the shallows. When our thinking doesn't go deeply, it just stays at the shallow. So we live most of our days at the shallows. I mean, just think about what we used to do with our questions. For those who are not digital natives, who didn't grow up with, so, uh, with the internet like we did now, let me tell you the process that we used to have with the questions. We used to have a question, 
And then maybe we'd talk to someone else or we would go to the library and get one of these things. This is like, imagine a bunch of people printed off Google results, right? This is what this is, a collection. These are called encyclopedias. People used to go door-to-door selling them, y'all. And though, uh, though we have more access to information than ever before, our brains are being shaped for immediacy. And it's undercut our ability to have wonder and curiosity. I've had a friend recently say to me that he mentally feels that it's too difficult to have sustained attention to read books anymore. And I know he's not alone. In addition, we are also living on the edge of the next great invention, AI. Now not only do we have access for information, but now AI can generate and create processed output of all that information, and we're one step further removed uh, from deeper thinking, we're allowed to stay on the surface. Now, the immediate access to information to the news sources in our own echo chamber that we are listening, the endless scrolling of videos perfectly curated for you and me, it pulls our thought life to the shallows, and it shapes who we are becoming. Not only are we being shaped, but literally our brain functions are changing they're changing. They're rewiring the neuropathways that controls our thoughts and our mental conditioning. We need something to go deeper. We need something more than just the shallow shaping that's going on in our minds and our hearts and our lives. And for those who are impressed that I read this book called The Shallows, I need to be honest, I didn't read it. I read an article summarizing this book. And to make matters worse, I found myself laughing because not only did I just read an article, I realized it was on this website called Four Minute Books. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> so this is me being, this is my confession. I didn't read it right. I know that this sounds like this idea of living in the shallows can sound like doom and gloom, but there's an upside to this part of our personhood. We are moldable. We are adaptable, we are impressionable, and that's not always a flaw. Our capacity to be molded in the hands of God allows us to change, to be made new, to transform, to heal. This this ability to change can make us, most importantly, more and more like our Savior Christ. In many ways, what we're talking about here is spiritual formation. We might think of spiritual formation and our minds go to, well, that must mean to pray or to fast or practice Sabbath or worship or meditate. The reality is that all of life is forming our spirits and our souls. All of life is spiritual formation. It's not just happening in our like religious moments. Every moment of, of our day is spiritual formation. How we treat our bodies, how we experience friendship, our social media diet, these are all spiritual formation. And there is not just, you know, spiritual formation in the rest of life. No, there's intentional spiritual formation and unintentional spiritual formation. Rich Viotos, he's a pastor in the Queens in New York. He became a friend a couple years back when I took a class with him at Fuller Seminary. And uh, through that friendship, he actually gave a sermon during COVID uh, to our church, The Vine. He wrote a book about this conversation called The Deeply Formed Life. He pastors a church there in Queens called New Life Fellowship. And he often uses the imagery of an iceberg. Their church uses this imagery of an iceberg for this discussion. Now, as many of us know, and many of the passengers of the Titanic learned, 
when you see an iceberg, just 10% is above the surface. What you think is like it's like all up there, but in reality, 90% is below the surface. It's beneath the surface. All you see is just a taste. It's a sliver of the greater thing below. Much of the shaping that the world is having upon us is shallow. It's just the top 10%. And the work of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit of Jesus in our life is to go deeper, is to go deeper beneath the surface. We aren't meant to be shallowly shaped. By knowing and to following Jesus, we become people who are deeply formed all the way down into the depths of our personhood. At the end of Romans 11, Paul is talking to the church in Rome, and he's talking to them about what it means to be the church. What does it mean to belong to each other? And he breaks, like, leaves that conversation, and he breaks into worship. He breaks into song of sorts, and he, this is what he wrote. He said, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable. You can't Google his judgments. It's, un, it's unknowable, and his paths are beyond tracing out. Paul is saying here that God's wisdom and knowledge is unsearchable. It's impossible to to plumb the depths of it. It's impossible for us to comprehend it. Even though we are people of the shallows, God is the God of great depth, the depth of his riches of wisdom. And Paul goes on to say, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Like, God's not impressionable to the influence of other people. He needs no other counselor. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? The answer is no one. But this doesn't mean to make us apathetic or lazy, that God is so distant and other. No, this causes Paul to worship God, to lean in and praise and adore God. In verse 36, for, uh, from him and through him, and for him is everything, all things, to him be glory forever. Amen. Now, the very next verse, meant to go right next to this, right? So this is the same conversation. Chapter 12 begins, Therefore, so in response to what we see and know of God's greatness and vastness of his wisdom and his beauty and, this, and the riches of his mercy, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Notice that Paul is urging the church to enter into God's wisdom, to enter into it, to, to test and approve that God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, what it is, and that we, that we can actually experience it. This otherness, this is not called us like to be apathetic and on the sidelines. No, Paul is urging them, like pleading with them to enter into that. And Paul is saying, you will, you will know God's will, you will experience this wisdom if you do two things. If you do two things, and they are to offer your bodies as living sacrifices and to practice nonconformity to the patterns of this world. Let's break down those two things. So first, we're called to offer ourselves, our bodies, as living sacrifices. Now, this sounds a bit odd and a little bit violent to, you know, offer ourselves as sacrifices. 
But being a living sacrifice is actually a movement away from the practice of slaughtering animals as was normative in the Hebrew people. Paul is saying that following Jesus will not just be transactional where you go to the temple, you make your offering, and you'll leave. Instead, we are called to be a living sacrifice, an ongoing sacrifice, continual, organic, not withheld within the bounds of some religious service. And so, just so we know, this idea of our bodies is better translated our whole self. It's not just our physical bodies. It's everything we are, everything that we have. It's like the fullness of our personhood is meant to be given in devotion to God. This means our bodies, as well as our days and our priorities, our relationships, all of it given to God in devotion and worship and gratitude. Not just the 10% that's above the surface, that's visible to everyone else. No, all the way down, the depths of who we are. This is what God is up to. God doesn't want us just to be shallowly shaped, just that top 10%. No, Jesus wants us to have deep formation, deep transformation of our whole personhood so that we can be healthy and whole followers of Jesus. This is the first act that Paul is instructing the church to do, is that first act of like offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. And then the second act is actually deep more, I think, just perfectly timed for our culture and our conversation today. Because the second act is what we have, is what we call nonconformity to the pattern of this world. Paul was encouraging the church to look at the patterns, look at the system that's going on in Rome where you live, and do not conform to it. Like, see what the system is doing and step aside of that and enter a different reality. As we talked about earlier, there are patterns or systems in this world that are perfectly designed to shape us. And Paul is saying, step out of that system. Don't conform to the forces that want to shallowly shape you. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's wild to me that modern-day science and neurology is beginning to use language similar to a Jewish tent maker of 2,000 years ago. Um, Paul called it, you know, being being, our minds being renewed. And currently we talk about neuroplasticity, how our minds can be transformed. Our minds have the capacity of being renewed. Our thoughts, our intellect, our understanding can be made new again. And that has the capacity to transform us. We can be deeply shaped, uh, deeply transformed if we're willing to offer Jesus the fullness of our life, our thoughts, and our whole selves. We can literally be renewed mentally as well. And if systems are perfectly designed to produce something, Paul is saying this system, offering ourselves as living sacrifices, no longer conforming to this world, this system is perfectly designed to do something. And this thing that it will do, you will be unable to understand what God's will is. You'll be able to see what the good life that Jesus has intended for you to be, if you're willing to enter into this other reality. Everything that makes the shallows dangerous, all the ways in which we're impressionable, the fact that we are moldable, this is actually good news if we're willing to follow Jesus. Because our minds can be renewed. We can be transformed. We don't, we're not bound without hope in a society of shallow shaping we can be deeply formed and transformed by the Spirit. And just so we know, this word transformed, is, is all, it's a, the ancient text it calls it metamorpho, which is 
this what of course gives us uh, the word metamorphosis. So this being transformed is not just about being like conditioned to live differently. It's not about being shallowly shaped. It's actually total transformation, going from one thing to another new life. It's deep, it's intimate, it's powerful. And this transformation is not just about behavior modification. No, we are becoming more and more like Jesus. When this transformation happens, not only do we find ourselves doing what Jesus did, not only do we find ourselves living in, in the image and the likeness of Jesus, but we find ourselves wanting to live this way. It's not just about conditioning. It's about becoming who we are becoming. This idea of being deeply formed or experiencing transformation can also, like, if I'm honest, can be like a nice cliche or platitude, right? Like, we might leave here, like, all right, I want to be deeply formed, and you might go off and you try this week, you light a candle, you pray, maybe you put on some music, maybe you try to uh, read scripture again, and some days it'll be great, and other days it feels like just one more thing to check off your to-do list, or just feels like an empty religious practice. Just want us to know that the, there is a promise that we, we will be transformed. It will happen. But I want to call out something. The shallow shaping that we have in this world is immediate. Like, it happens quickly, and we know it. Like, we can feel the endorphins when we just got done with the eternal scroll on TikTok or whatever. We feel that, the difference it, that, we, that we encounter. But you don't get the same immediate response with being quiet with God. And this is exactly the point. God is not into shallow shaping, not into the immediate buzz or the immediate uh, response. Where this is about deep transformation, this takes time, and often it's imperceptible, it's slow. This renewing takes time. I appreciate what Catholic Jesuit by the name of Deschardins, what he wrote, he said this, above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are, quite naturally, impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new, and yet it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability where we don't feel it's certain, where we wonder, we're not positive, this instability. And if we're willing to go through that stages of instability, and the quote continues, and that it may take a very long time. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. As long as we remain slaves to a culture of speed and superficiality and shallow shaping and distraction, we will not become the people that God wants us to be. That is the broad path that's shaping us towards destruction. We desperately need a spirituality that forms us in a different way, in a, from a different rhythm, for a different purpose. This is the narrow path that means being deeply formed. So therefore... Brothers and sisters, I urge you, in view of God's great mercy and love and grace, 
Offer your bodies, offer your lives, offer your minds as a living sacrifice, good and pleasing to God. This is what it means to love Jesus, to worship Jesus. Courageously practice nonconformity to all the patterns of this world and instead be made new, deeply formed by the renewing of your mind. It's only then that you will be able to understand what the good life really means and be able to see all that Jesus has in his mind and heart for you. So be deeply formed and not shallowly shaped. We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about The Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to The Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.